We're going to cover the altar of incense uh, this morning. There's a lot to this, um, so you have to bear with me. Um, there's going to be some details I'll leave out for obvious reasons, time's sake, but there are three things, three types that are taught with the altar of incense. Number one, now that was the closest to the throne room of God, the mercy seat. Now the veil was separated, but still was closest to the throne room. Three things that it's going to typify or foreshadow. One, Christ is the high priest who makes intercession for us. He ever liveth making intercession for us. So it's a sweet smell to God knowing what he did for us. As we come before Christ, he goes before the Father, and he's our advocate. This is from this is for eternity. So that's number one. Number two, and we're going to spend time on this really next week. Normally this is where I spend most of my time. What I'm talking about today is kind of unique. But most of my time will be spent, <clears throat> usually is spent, on that represents the prayer life of believers that rises up to God as a sweet-smelling Savior. And the Scriptures are very clear about that type and that foreshadowing, especially in the book of Revelation where you see that it even says it's the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the saints. But the third thing, and what we're going to focus on this morning, is it represents the sacrifice of the believer and what he does for God in his walk with God. Now, people will say, well, that doesn't seem to fit the type because there's no sacrifice being made on that altar. But that's not true. That's only a half-truth. Because the fire, the coals that were put on the golden altar where the incense was laid, comes from the altar of sacrifice. It comes from the, the one that the brass altar, if you remember, where the lamb was laid and the sacrifice was made, that's where the coals came from and they were placed on. So we're going to talk really and in, 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 in give me some liberty on this in regards to our sacrifice to God as a sweet savor, a sweet smell to God, something that's pleasing to God. I'm going to have a couple verses here just to show you, I hope, okay? It is now. Thank you, brother. I turned it off earlier. So, in Exodus 30, that you can read this on, on, when you have some time, but it walks you through the altar and its measurements and, and its design. Of course, it was made out of gold, but it was made out of wood originally, and then it was covered in gold, which what once again represents the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. But there's two things that, that uh, are, are, are really important here. The, one is burning incense, as the Bible refers to as a sweet incense. And uh, the second piece here I want to reference is every morning. You'll see this coming up quite a bit in Scripture related to, the, uh, to some of God's um, furniture in the tabernacles every morning. First of all, sweet incense. We've got to think about this, what they were dealing with. In that outer tabernacle, it was outside, it was hot, it was bloody. It had animal sacrifice, so it had guts. I mean, it smelled. It was, uh, let's say, not pleasing to the senses. But when they entered into the holy place in that condition, sweaty, bloody, smelly, they were given the rights to be able to worship and serve God in a sweet, sweet, with a sweet aroma, sweet smell. And it's important when you think about when we worship God, that 
He wants it to be refreshing. He wants it to be a form of worship that's pleasing to him and, and, and pleasing to the spiritual senses. Now, second thing, every morning, um, this keeps coming up, and I thought about this for a minute. There's, there's a lesson here for us. The time to serve God and to worship God doesn't start later in the day. It always starts in the morning. I have learned that the day itself is busy enough. There, there's a lot of distractions in the day. Once you get going, and it's really hard to get refocused on spiritual things. God knows that. And so I see this term, every morning they were to light the lamps. In the morning they were to burn the incense. Every morning they were to lay the lamb. I remember, if you remember, back when the, the manna was collected, when was it collected? In the morning. What was the manna a type of? The word of God. So we are to collect the, the word of God in the morning. That doesn't mean we don't collect it other times of the day. I'm, I'm not trying to be dogmatic about this. I think there's a lesson on when we serve God and we worship God and we want to draw close to Him, it starts in the morning. I've been taught all my life that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. I don't know if that's true or not, but Mama said it was, so it must have been. But the reality is, your day should start with God. It should start with the Word of God. It should start with prayer, which that does represent prayer. It should start with whatever... God wants you to do for His will. Every morning, that's why it keeps showing up every morning, every morning. I think it's because God's trying to tell us something. This is the time you start your day. Too often, we start our day in fifth gear, and God's kind of on the sideline. By the end of the day, it's really hard to really focus, refocus spiritual things. So just something there to help us out when we think about how do we really Draw close to God. Well, it starts every morning, I believe. Now let's get into the, the heart of this teaching. So this is found in Leviticus 16, which gives us the process of which the altar um, where the incense came from. But it says it shall take a censer, it's a golden censer, full of burning coals of fire. Here it is, from off the altar. Now the altar was the brass altar, the altar of sacrifice where the lamb was laid. They took the fiery coals. They put it in a golden censer. They took it into the holy place. They laid it onto the golden, the golden uh, altar, or the, this golden altar there, and then they had some incense. Now, this was just a bunch of spices that were beaten. Somehow it formed like a wax in, a, in small pieces, and then they would take that, those spices, they would place it on the fiery coals, and then it would burn. This was done every morning continually. It never stopped. It was perpetual. Every day, 360 days, 365 days a year. And we know that this was really important in regards to sacrifice because they're connected. I think that's important for us because we're reminded here in Ephesians, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. It says, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. How did he love us? How did he prove his love to us? By making an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The very sacrifice of Christ rose up to God the Father as a sweet savor. And that's an important, beautiful picture as the sacrifice of the lamb and the fiery coals that came from that were placed on that altar and that incense would burn before the very throne of God. Reminding God of the sacrifice of His Son. 
That's what he's reminded of every time we, we bring our stuff to God. And we're called as believers to be followers of God. So if he was an offering and a sacrifice that was a sweet-smelling savor, then every believer ought to be an offering and a sacrifice to God so that they may be a sweet-smelling savor. And they may be that sweet incense before God. Sweet incense just simply means something pleasing to God, a smell that just is acceptable to God. And our sacrifices, God wants them to be acceptable to Him. This is why we read in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, here it is, a living sacrifice. Those sacrifices died. We're a living sacrifice. We're to lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and to be holy, acceptable unto God, which, by the way, is just your reasonable service. This is what is expected of God's children, to lay themselves on the altar of sacrifice. And there God takes those coals of the sacrifice of the believers, he places it on the altar, so I'm foreshadowing something, and there the incense burns as a sweet savor, as a, as a pleasing smell to God. So that sacrifice by my child is pleasing to him. How important that is. To get, but we have to die first for that to happen. Yet we live. Nevertheless, I, you know, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're a living sacrifice every day for God to be a pleasing, but we have to die first. We have to lay it all on the altar, and then God takes that in, in, and he smells the pleasing senses to, from our sacrifices. I think it was C.T. Studd that wrote, only a life shall soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. He wrote this, only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave, and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Well, yet that, that becomes a reality when you grow older. When you're young, you don't think about the eternal things. And I'm talking about believers. But boy, as, the, as I get closer and older, now, some will say, you know, you're not that old, brother, but it, it doesn't matter. As I see the nearing, that day comes, all of a sudden, the things of God start to take on a much different meaning and purpose in life. And how I realize when it's all said and done, the only thing that will matter is what's done for Christ. And what I want to be done for Christ to be a sweet incense to Him, pleasing to Him. But it's got to be sacrificial. And so it's so important that we worship Christ in the, in the spirit of our sacrifices. Now, Here's what's really interesting. Those fiery coals that came from that altar of sacrifice were connected, well, the sweet incense was connected to those fiery coals. But here, the sweet smells to God are often birthed out of sacrifice. Now hear me out on this. God tends to take hardships and trials and fiery trials in our life 
that he may bring forth sacrifices in your life that become pleasing to him. It's not our nature to sacrifice. It's not our nature to give to others with nothing in return. And yet God has to take us sometimes and put us through the trials and the hardships of life, the fiery trials, to bring forth the sacrifice that's pleasing to him. I know we don't like to hear that. I don't even like talking about it because it indicates there's pain. That sacrifice is going to cost me something. But yet, God says that is his method in sacrifice. It's because in the fiery trials, in the hardships, in the trials of life, there's brokenness. And brokenness brings humility and dependence on God. And when there's humility, brokenness, and humility, then there's a tendency for our sacrifices to rise up to God as a sweet incense. But it takes fiery trials, fiery coals of God to have, for that to happen. Not always, but that is a plan of God. We cannot escape it. And yet I see this over and over with the fiery trials. I think Psalm 53 is the sacrifices of God are a what? Broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. So we see that the fiery coals of God's hardships on our life are to bring forth really the sacrifices that turn out to be pleasing to Him. That's what we have to ask. What's it costing us? Is there pain in what you do for God? And that, that's not supposed to be always. Now, God's not talking about always being in pain, but there's things about sacrifice that cost us something. And yet, when, when there, that's not present in our life, God sometimes has to bring the hardship, the trial, to bring forth that brokenness and that dependence on him to bring forth the sacrifice. That's acceptable in his sight. Hopefully, that made sense to you. So sacrifices, though, made for the Lord, rise up to Him as sweet smells. It's not about the size or significance of the sacrifice. Somehow we all think we've got to do something so big and so spectacular for God that to make it count. That's not true. Every little sacrifice means something to God. Now, He can count the hairs on your head. He knows when the, when the bird falls to the ground. He knows the details. He doesn't forget the details. Now, we do. We live our lives and we, we, we look for the spectacular and the, the amazing and the powerful. But God's he's the still small voice. It's the little things that matter to God, too. And we, we, we should not forget what we do for God still matters, even though it may be insignificant to others or even to you. It means something to God. And as I was thinking about these sacrifices, I thought about Matthew chapter 25. Is even a cup of water in his name will not be forgotten. Just a cup. He said it, not me. I think it was, uh, for I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you let me in. I was naked and you clothed me. And they said, now, this was the blessed, the righteous, that said to the Lord, well, when, when do we see thee hungered? And when do, we see, when do we see thee needing a drink? And this is what he said to them in response. 
Ennis the king answered and said, I'm barely sending me. Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. We may forget about the things we do for God, the little insignificant sacrifices made for God, but he never forgets. And they rise up to him as a pleasing, as a pleasing smell, as something that is like sweet incense. May God help us to remember this every insignificant small sacrifice that's made for the Lord according to his will has purpose and meaning to God. But we always look for the spectacular, and that's a mistake. We talk about sweet smells in Exodus chapter 30, verses 34 through 38. This particular incense that was made was very unique. It was only for the altar of incense. It wasn't for any of the other instruments in the house of God, just for that altar. Number two, it was special. It had no other smell. There was no other smell like it. And, and by the way, there's a warning attached to it. That's, that incense was not to be used on anything else or anybody. The priest couldn't put it on himself. He couldn't take it out and put it on someone else. He couldn't give it away to his family. There were strict warnings about whether you, when you give that incense, that God would bring judgment. It was just for him. The will of God is for you and you alone. You're not someone else's will. And when you do God's will, it rises up special to God like no other smell. And it's holy, and by the way, it says pure, which means it's pleasing to God because he's holy. And God calls us to that separation. So I thought about this uniqueness, this special smell. And then I thought about the aromas of life, things that remind us, uh, that give special memories when we smell something. And uh, all of us have distinct smells that we like. And of course, we'll talk about the ones we don't like. But, so what I'm going to share with you are, are smells that I thought were profound to me, that have an impact when I smell them. And for different reasons than maybe you have, but yet it's a distinct smell, it's special to me, and it has meaning. And the first I thought about was Thanksgiving turkey. Now, I don't know too many people who don't like the smell of a, cook, a turkey cooking in the oven. There's something special about that. But is it really the turkey? It's, it, it's about the stuffing, huh, Marilyn? <laughs> It's about family. When I think of the turkey smelling on, because it's only once a year, maybe twice. Isn't that funny? We only cook turkey once or twice a year. Well, you don't. <laughs> or you're an exception. Maybe you like turkey more often. But most people, it's Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas or Easter or something. But there's something about it's the day where the family gets together and is thankful for what they have and what they've been given by God. So it's not that smell. It's associated with that, the family, and with Thanksgiving. Now, we have, we take time, when we cook that turkey, that's my job, by the way. I, I marinate it for three days in a seasoning called moho, and then I add some butter to it. I throw that thing in the oven around 10 o'clock, and I'm telling you, by 2 o'clock, the house is full. Every crevice is full of turkey smell. And people will walk in and say, man, oh, it's, it's, it just overwhelms you. It's pleasing to the senses. 
That's how God responds to our sacrifices. Autumn leaves. Now, you'd have to be from the Northeast to really appreciate this. You're from Florida, or you've been birthed in Florida, you've stayed in Florida, you really probably can't appreciate this as much as someone from New England. But growing up with the leaves is something. There's a, sm a distinct smell to the autumn leaves, especially as they start to dry out and the rain comes in, and then it and then the cool air starts to blow through it. There's a smell in the air like no other. Everybody, anybody can experience that? Wow. Autumn leaves. Now that I've said that, does that bring back a memory for you? Now winter's coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's not a good memory. For me, it was being a kid. Dad say, go out there and rake the yard, kid. Yeah, brother, you got it. I'd rake that thing. What am I going to do with all these leaves? Jump in them. The kid that jumped in the leaves and brought all his friends. That instant, as soon as I smell autumn leaves, whether it's up in Georgia or I'm up in New England traveling, I have that memory. And it's a sweet one. Being a kid, innocent, life was so easy. Something special about that. Again, it's pleasing to the senses. We talk about sweet smells and how to relate that to what God thinks of us in our, in our sacrifices. Rainstorms. Now, that, that may not be for everybody, but man, I can appreciate a good storm coming through in the evening. Sitting on that lanai, watching the, you know, that storm come in from the east with that black line of clouds. There's something about that. I, 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 I was in Seattle for four years, and there were no thunderstorms. None for four years. I, I like, lean. why haven't we heard thunder? We heard it twice in the four-year period. There were no lightning. I mean, there's something spectacular about that. I think it speaks of the, of the majesty of God and his power in our minds. And, but I love sitting on that lanai, and, boy, before the rain ever gets there, you can smell it coming. I've been out playing golf, and I, I think it's about to rain. Somebody looked at me and said, what? I said, look over there. I'm telling you, it's, gonna, it's coming our way. You can smell the rain. By the way, there is a term for that called bet petrichor, where you can smell it. Now, that's a sweet smell to me because it tells me it's not about the, the smell of the rain. It's about what's coming behind it. It's the storm itself that brings, there's something beautiful about evening storms in Florida or anywhere where you might be able to see those powerful storms come rolling in and come rolling out. Again, sweet smells and what they do in reminding us of certain things. And while we have sweet smells, the Bible refers to strange smells. This, of course, is in reference to strange incense. It's strictly forbidden to offer strange incense. Remember, everything was special, it was unique to God. So somebody who said, well, that's, those spices aren't any good to me, so I'm going to make my own spices, that would be considered strange incense. Just like Aaron's sons offered strange fire. They didn't take the fire from the altar of sacrifice. They, they made their own fire, and they put it where it wasn't supposed to be, and God took them. Serious. God said, this is for me, and it's pleasing. Anything outside of that is considered a strange incense or a strange smell to God. So 
I thought about, well, we got sweet smells, smells that we have, are pleasing, but what kind of smells do we have that aren't so pleasing? Things that we can think about that are, let's say, offensive, repulsive, repugnant. Now, we don't want those kind of smells going up to God. That's the thing to avoid. I thought about body odor. I had a roommate my senior year in college, and he spent years in Kenya with his family and got used to the custom, which is culturally acceptable over there, to not shower normally and to put deodorant on or whatever to keep the smell of the body <clears throat> in a, a pure way. But this brother, and he was a brother in the Lord, just somehow never smelled it on himself, but I had to smell him as his roommate. And I couldn't convince him, like, hey, man, you know, he thought it was, it was okay, and then he met a girl, and things changed. He got married two days before I did, and I, I, I've never smelled it again on him, never. But his body odor was horrendous. And there are countries that that's acceptable, but in America we know that's not an acceptable, it's offensive. Just like I said, you know, we talked about the, them laboring in the outer of the tabernacle and then going inside with a sweet smell. Have you ever smelled someone who's been working in the yard or been out exercising and then they, you know, you come in and you just finished a meal and they walk by you? Even if they don't have body odor, the outdoor smell that just accumulates can be repugnant. It can be offensive. Well, that's how God looks at the sacrifices that aren't made out of a pure heart, aren't made for God's will. Bad breath. The beauty about bad breath is you don't smell it. Everybody around you does. And what is it, helitosis, which is a medical condition in the stomach that causes bad breath. I worked with a guy years ago. This was back in the early 90s. And I thought first, he's like, man, does this guy brush his teeth? Does he floss? I mean, he had bad breath. I finally realized he had helitosis. And every time he talked to me, I have to step back, you know, because he'd fill the room with his odor. Now, over time, I didn't smell it anymore. But the reality is every time he walked in the first time, boy, it hit you just like that. It was offensive. And this last one, I can't help but think, is a baby's diaper. How can something so small produce something so powerful? I mean, my, you know, Hudson just, wow! Offensive, repugnant. Hey, look, when, I, when Ashy was born, 1992, a friend of mine gave me some really good advice. He said, whatever you do when it comes to diaper changing, put it on the wrong way so your wife will kick you out and she'll take over. It worked. Is it true? First time I'm, I had that thing over the kid's head, and she's like, stop it. Get out. Just go out of the room. I'll take care of it. I was like, yeah, because I was not going to. I, she even asked me to, would you change Hudson's diaper? No, I will not. It's, I would if I had to, of course. You know I'm being a little silly here. But, a bit, you know, these are, these are all odors that we, we know we've experienced. We've been offensive to others, and others have been offensive to us. But that's the truth on how God sees the wrong sacrifice. 
That's how we think. We have to think of it as in terms of the human mind and the, and the human senses and how God may perceive it. So some strange smells here for us to think about. A holier-than-thou attitude. You know, this is really dangerous for Christians who've been born again and been under the influence of the Word for a long time, and they've learned to separate themselves from the world to the point where now they look at the world and everything in the world, they look down on it. They forgot where they came from. They got forgot what God did for them. And then they look at people that are down and out, that are worldly, that are ungodly, that are wicked. Don't you know those are the people Christ spent the time with? The ones that he rejected were the Pharisees. The self-righteous. He wanted to be around the sinners. Now, I'm not advocating we go out and we hold hands with sinners. Because that's dangerous territory too. But we've, we've got to be careful of a holier-than-thou attitude. That becomes a strange smell to God. Here, Look in Isaiah 65. He says, he says, which say, stand by thyself, come not near to me. Why? Because I'm better than you. It's a critical spirit. He says, for I am holier than thou. And this is the repugnant, the offensive smell to God. These are a smoke in my nose. And everybody knows what that's like. You sit around a campfire and all of a sudden that wind blows your way and, you know, you can't even breathe. That's how God sees the holier-than-thou crowd. He's a, a fire that burneth all the day. God cannot stand that attitude in the believer's life. And unfortunately, it can start to happen slowly over time where we take on a critical spirit and we look at every sinner that's outside of Christ as just a waste of time. May God help us to have compassion on these folks. I mean, I have no issues. I, and I know this crowd, I'm pretty sure doesn't have any issues. Someone comes in here with long hair, doesn't smell good, tatted up, earrings, cussing like a drunken sailor. That's not going to mean a thing to us because they need Christ. But if I look at that person as a man, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's, that's the stuff to stay away with. Then that becomes holier than thou. It's a strange smell to God. And disobedience. Man, God, help me not to be. I, I mean, we've all struggled with disobedience. I mean, this is part of life. And the struggle and rebellion. But if you're not, for all this, hearken unto me. Walk con you walk contrary to me. Listen to what he says here. And I will not smell the Savior of your sweet odors. In other words, your sacrifices, which could be sweet odors, I'm not going to smell them. Because you're walking contrary to me. Now, the best example I could think of was 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We just said the Lord's Supper. It's going to the Lord's Supper in a, and approaching it in an unworthy manner, which means I've got sin. I know i got sin and I don't care. And, and, and that adds like, man, I, I can't get rid of it, so I'm just going to live with it. But yeah, I'll take the Lord's Supper. That's disobedience. But God wants you just to get it right. That's all he wants, so he can work through you. He's not out to hurt you. He's out to help you. Sin's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you along. He knows that. But yet, I could be out sacrificing for God, which are sweet smells, but my disobedience could cause God to say, nope, not today. We don't want that. God help us to not bring forth strange smells to, 
in our sacrifices. So let me encourage you as we close here. Sacrifices for God are never in vain. Never. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work. Labor of love, which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. How many times have you just never think you do enough for God? I'm always thinking, man, Lord, I just don't do enough for you. I need to do more. I need to do more. And I pray about that. But and, and, and it's a good thing to be driven that way and motivated to do more for God. But God's not forgetting about what you do for him, even though it may be small or insignificant. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. And no, notice, in everyone that forsaken houses, remember, this has cost them something. It was painful. It was a sacrifice. Or they've given up brethren. Some of us have given up family members to be a believer because the family will have nothing to do with you. I've had to give up all, all my friends that I grew up with. You know, even when I try to reach out to them today, they're, yeah, they're pleasant to talk to, but they want nothing to do with me. How sad is that? But yet, that's what it cost us. It cost us friendships. It cost us family. It may cost us depending what we do for God, like missionaries, it, it costs them so much. But yet he says, he says, they, all of us, when we sacrifice, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. So ultimately, it's about what's coming, not what's now. And that's the hardest part. We want it now versus what's coming. Sacrifices aren't really necessarily always rewarded now. But what we do for God will be remembered at the throne, the judgment seat of Christ. In the last verse, we look at this and close. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for so much as you know that your labor is not in vain. Where? In the Lord. When it's done in the Lord, for the Lord, and according to his will, it rises up to him as that sweet incense. And he says, it's pleasing. And then he blesses you. So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this uh, simple lesson on, Lord, just the, the altar of incense. And, Lord, what it, it means to us, Lord, is our sacrifices are important to you. And, God, help us to have those sacrifices that are sweet smells to thee. Guide and direct us with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, help us to better understand these great truths, Lord, to live them uh, every morning to be able to look to you and ask for that strength to draw closer to you. May you bless now this, this hour of worship. May you place unction upon our pastor as he preaches the word. And may Christ be lifted up and all drawn to him. As we pray this in Jesus' blessed name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.